Just um, turn to someone and say Happy New Year or encourage them, say a welcome. is a bit softer these days. Soft and gentle, ladies and gentlemen. I'm a new man. <laughs> Soft and gentle. So um, it's the start of our new year. And um, I just wanted to say thank you to everyone who um, prayed for me um, towards the end of last year. As um, I wasn't very well. Most of you know I've been having some problems with my throat. Um, it's a lot better than it was, um, but it's not quite up to full strength yet. But thank you for that, and thanks so much to our amazing team who stepped in for leading worship and for preaching and supporting. Can we just give everyone a round of applause and say thank you? And so here we are at the, at the start of our new year, and um, it's always great to have um, a season that looks at rebooting what we're doing in the new year. And so Start Right is the theme for this month, and um, The Only Way Is Up is the title of today's message. How many of you remember that annoying song from the 90s? <laughs> it, was, it was annoying. It was by um, someone um, called Yaz, wasn't it? The Only Way Is Up, Baby, um, is how it goes. Uh, there you go. It was okay for the first million times of hearing it, but then I think um, the next um, 20 million were perhaps a bit annoying. Um, but we've got, to, we've got to look and say, well, the only way is up, and we've got to believe that um, there are even greater things to come in 2020. Amen? Yeah. We've got to be in faith, um, and not in um, gloom and doom, but in faith for all that God has for us in the year ahead. But we need to be walking in step with God, walking in step with um, what God has in order to see his kingdom come and his will be done. Because I don't know about you, but I don't want to be the same um, in 2021 as, as I have been, uh, as I am now in 2020 and I have been in 2019. God wants each and every one of us to grow in faith and to walk in step with him to see his plans for our lives and for our church. There are so many things we would love to see in this year ahead and love to do. And we need to push through and stretch in order to see them come to pass. And as I was thinking about this idea of pushing through and stretching, um, this verse um, came to mind. Um, stretch, enlarge the place of your tent. Not sure what's happened to the first line of that. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. We need to stretch and for God to enlarge us so that we can, we can have room for all that God has for us in, in our future and in the life of the church. Um, you know, one of the most amazing things I've seen in my life was the birth of um, Joel and Hannah. I was privileged to be there 
and to, um, to witness the scene. Um, there were... <laughs> I won't go into details, <laughs> but um, there's a lot of stretching. In, there's a lot of stretching involved when you grow a baby, isn't there? I'm thinking, you know, I'm not having one, but a lot of stretching involved. Um, lots of growing, even some pain apparently in the birthing process. Even some pain, but it was worth it, isn't it? It, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's worth it. And um, as we grow in our spiritual life, and as we grow as a church, there's bound to be a few growing pains as we, as we stretch, as we stretch together. And, um, but we need to partner with God, and we need to press on in through the growing pains to see what God will do, because it's worth it. And we need, we need to press on into God with that childlike simplicity because God expects us to grow into faith, grow into maturity. And we do that through personal discipleship and self-sacrifice. Nobody likes the idea of sacrifice, do they? Nobody likes the idea of, of discipline. Um, but discipline is all tied up as part of the discipleship process. We have to be disciplined. We have to discipline ourselves to pray, to read, to read the word of God, to, to give into the kingdom of God. It requires discipline and wanting to follow God and honour God. And um, this, um, this verse says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. We can only keep in step with the Spirit of God if we're prepared to crucify the flesh and its passions and desires. It doesn't sound comfortable, does it? But the fruit, the reward is great. You know, as we read through the Scriptures, it speaks to us about that, um, that discipleship walk, keeping in step with God. And in Matthew 5, it outlines three duties of every Christian to pray, to fast and to give. And I just wonder how many of us follow these um, spiritual disciplines? How many of us um, follow that? But these are all spiritual disciplines that take place in that secret place, in the private place of our personal discipleship walk. And most people won't see you praying, but the fruit of your prayer is that you draw closer to God. And most people won't see you fasting, um, but the fruit of that fasting is drawing nearer to God, hearing his voice, developing relationship with him. Most people shouldn't see you giving either, but that giving sets us up in line with what the word of God says about giving back to God out of the overflow of what he's given to us and honouring God with the first fruit of our finances. But it brings us into a place of public blessing. The next scripture says, um, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head. Basically, today's equivalent is have a shower, all right? Um, don't smell, it's off-putting. Put oil on your head, and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting, 
but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And he will reward you publicly for your secret sacrifice. You know, um, each year for the last probably nine years now, you know, this, this Sunday is our 10-year anniversary of, of, of being here and, and leading the church. And for the last nine years... Um, I thought that was probably worth a smatter of applause there. Of a, of, oh, okay, smattering. And each year for the last nine years, we've taken part in, in um, what we call the Daniel Fast. 21 days in January from the first Sunday of, of prayer and fasting. Not a full fast, but a partial fast. And if you've been following the notice sheets over the last couple of weeks, then you'll see both last week and this week, They've been outlining what the Daniel fast is, where it is in the book of Daniel, and how you, um, how you can follow that through. Now, if you've got medical conditions, um, it's probably not a good idea to engage in fasting without discussing it with your medical practitioner. But we engage in the Daniel fast, 21 days, um, so simple, um, no meat, um, no sweet, and no processed food. Uh, some people take it a step further, further the feather and have no dairy as well um, but you can adapt it the whole point is you're giving something up you're sacrificing something so that you can consecrate yourself and dedicate yourself more to the Lord some people will take it further maybe just have vegetables and water maybe cut out things like tea and coffee well you need to do what works for you so that you can spend some time eating simply consecrating yourself to God in this 21 days. If you follow what it says on the notice sheet, you'll see that Daniel gets his breakthrough after 21 days of prayer and fasting, and, he, and the Lord sends a messenger to speak to him. During these 21 days, we seek God, we draw close to him, and we prioritise prayer and fellowship with God, seeking his direction and committing to him our hopes and dreams, even fears and anxieties for the year ahead. And I've had lots of reactions about the Daniel fasting um, over the last several years. Um, I remember one year in particular, and I won't mention any names because that's unfair, but one year in particular, um, someone came up to me at the end of the Daniel fast and said, you know, that f- the Daniel fast has been absolute rubbish this year. I'm really fed up. And I said, I'm so sorry. Why are you fed up? And this person said, well, I've been angry and bad-tempered. I've been irritable um, and, um, and I just can't understand it. I'm trying to be holy and pray. And I had to explain, look, sometimes when we battle with the flesh and we battle with behaviours in our own lives, when we fast, it will bring this rubbish to the surface. And that's the Holy Spirit. Sorry about that. That was me. Is that you? <laughs> yeah. The Holy, the Holy Spirit. I'm fed up with this. Is um, is the, the Holy Spirit is saying, deal with these, deal, deal with it, deal with. The Holy, it wasn't Jackie actually. It was somebody else. But um, it might mirror some of your reactions. The Holy Spirit is allowing us to deal with these things as they come to the surface. And, you know, for some people, when they get hungry, then they get bad-tempered. But when those hunger pangs come or cravings come, that is a physical signal in our body, but we can turn it into a spiritual um, prompt and a spiritual push 
to encourage us to pray and draw near to God. And the Word of God says, um, those who, when I, it says, when um, you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. And we can believe it that when we draw near to God in prayer, in fasting, in reading the Word, um, then He will draw near to us. And, and my goodness, I'm, I don't think there will be anybody here this morning who would, who would say, actually, I don't want to be any closer to God. We all want to draw nearer to Him. So this period of time is laying a foundation in prayer for the things of the year ahead. And there are so many books. Each year I've recommended lots of books about prayer and fasting to encourage you. And um, this is a quote from... Um, oh, not that one. This is a quote from Mahesh Chavda, who um, has written lots of books about fasting and quite challenging books. And he says this, The key to defeating dark strongholds is twofold. First, we must tap into the power of the Spirit through the combination of prayer and fasting. And second, we will overcome in the largest battles in this generation only when we pray and fast together and unleash the incredible power of the body of Christ on its knees. And that's why we call this corporate fast. And that's why over the next three Tuesdays, instead of impact groups, we'll be coming together to pray together here in this house. Now, I understand for some people, the reaction to that might be, oh, you know, I really want to get back to my group. But you see, when we pray together, when we stand together in belief, in faith, we can really believe, we can encourage one another and believe to see great breakthroughs come. Great breakthroughs come. You know, as we start this year, I really believe that God is calling us to a place of consecration, a deeper place of intimacy with him, a deeper place of discipleship, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, drawing nearer to him as we press into this year. And, if, and I really believe, it says in this message, this passage, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. And if you read the, the wider picture of, of Matthew 6, it speaks about God's provision and God's blessing in our lives. And as I said before, you may have some challenges facing you at this time, but as we press into God and seek him, he is the one who will provide. He is the one who will bring blessing, who will bring encouragement. And I would encourage you just to encourage one another at, uh, at this time. So um, how have people um, encouraged you, Jackie, over, over the last 12 months when you've faced difficult times? And what's, what's that meant uh, to you personally? Uh, well, as you know, our, our daughter was gravely ill and, uh, and still continues to, to fight many battles with illness and um, <laughs> And I'm sure some of you can relate to that. Some of you are glad to be on the outside looking in on that. And I'm, I'm happy for you never to experience what our family has been through. And it's, it's been a very massive uh, learning curve um, in our family, how we communicate as a family, our family, the way that we operate. We had to be honest with one another. We had to cry on each other's shoulders. I've had to tell my younger children that their sister is dying. It, it's absolutely awful. Um, but God intervened and stepped in. 
Um, and today my daughter is still battling. Our daughter is still battling, but she's battling well. And that's what we learn um, as a family. You, you have to battle. There isn't a choice about that, but you can battle well. And this church here supported our family in, in a hundred different ways, from food parcels to taking our teenage kids out onto day trips because it happened in their summer holiday. Um, who does that? Who takes teenage, teenagers out on day trips? But you guys did. You fed us, you looked after us, you prayed for us, you texted us, you supported us, you comforted us. The body of Christ in operation is one of the most powerful organizations to exist. And not only that, it leaves a deposit. It leaves a deposit in someone's heart when you've, when you've been that helping hand. And that deposit doesn't diminish, it only grows. Um, so this church, the body of Christ, the body of Christ was everything to us in the last 12, 18, 12 months. It was everything. It's been such a tough, tough time. Um, but Jesus, through people, saved us all over again. So thank you. And as we look into um, this year ahead, I often think this is a time of um, crossing over. And um, there's, this, um, there's this lovely passage from Ezra um, chapter 8, um, where um, Ezra is... Um, leading the people over into um, what God has for them, into their future. But there are challenges ahead. If you read the chapter um, at home over the course of this week, you'll see from Ezra chapter 8 that, um, that really they needed protection. And Ezra says here, I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek from him the right way for us and our little ones and all our possessions. So they're seeking the right way for God, from God for the way forward for them as a people. And then it says, um, if, you, if you read the, the verse in between, it says that, um, that he felt ashamed to ask for the king's protection and so sought God. And it says there in verse 23, so we fasted and entreated our God for this and he answered our prayer. And as you, as you lead your family, as you lead your lives into this year ahead, let's stand together in fasting and in prayer, praying for God's word, for God's direction, for God's blessing. And for us as a church, you know, I've, I've set us a challenge, um, Challenge 2020. Um, some of you will have heard me speaking about it. For each, every single one of us in 2020 to make one disciple to share our faith with others and to bring someone to church, to bring someone into that disciple relationship with Christ Jesus. We can only grow and multiply this church if we grow and multiply other disciples, other believers. And that's each of our responsibilities to do so. So I challenge the church, challenge 2020. Who can you start praying for? Who can you start sharing your faith with? And that's why um, in the impact groups, we're going to be doing the Talking Jesus um, series to help equip us about um, evangelism, to give us the keys to evangelism. We also want to see a community garden get off the starting blocks. I don't know if you um, wanted to mention anything about the, why, why would we want to um, plant a community garden here at the church? 
Well, one of the reasons I want to do it is I, I know about gardening, which is not a great revelation, but it's actually something that I'm good at and I feel confident with. Um, and I've found through gardening, I've found a bit of a purpose for myself. I've found I'm good at something. And plants for me are easy. Um, and I thought, well, maybe other people can find that, something that they're good at. But also, when you're gardening with other people, you have a little bit of a community. And community is like a buzzword right now, isn't it? Like everyone has a community of some kind or other. Um, and I just thought, you know what, people who don't mix easily, like me, I'm a bit kind of shy, seem to say the wrong thing quite a lot. Plants don't mind when you say the wrong stuff to them. They don't mind when you get it wrong a little bit. And it's one of those things where if you can be with other people who are also a little bit shy, seem to say the wrong thing quite a lot, but you're surrounded and you're you're engrossed in what you're doing, you actually can have a conversation with a person, feel slightly less lonely, slightly less isolated, slightly less put to one side or misjudged, because plants don't do that. Plants don't do that. God doesn't do that, and plants don't do that. And I want to raise a community both within this church and outside of this church to become in this church so that we can say to people, whatever kind of person you are, God accepts you as you are, doesn't judge you in the way that you think, and will love you beyond your imagination. And if that can happen by planting a carrot, I'm on board. And I just thought, why not? If someone else can do it, why not? Why not us? So that's a community garden, and it's going to go, I hope and I pray, and I believe much, much further than that in in the years to come. I believe this church can have a role and a say and support every family within our local community. And if I didn't believe that, I wouldn't be sat on this chair today. Because I know God can do anything through anyone. Amen? Come on. Amen. Yeah, let's clap God. So we've, through, um, through that, our Tiger Tots, um, we've seen um, conversations with people in the community. We've seen people then follow on from that and actually come through the doors. Through, um, through our coaching programme in the local primary schools. We've seen amazing opportunities to have one-to-ones with young people and with families in our community that's seen them come through the door. You know, um, I had such a great blessing to be able to um, spend some time one-to-one with uh, an hour a week with a young lad from the local community. What an amazing opportunity just to speak into his life, to help be part of that um, forming influence. But we want to see that more. We want to grow our conversations with the community and our opportunities to be able to speak to them and and do life with them. And that's why we want to do some of these new initiatives. So as we've been reading about and talking about crossing over into the new things that God has for us, we we want to share with you some of our thoughts about crossing over into 2020. You know, we'd love to be able to buy this building. It's been an amazing blessing to us. Um, but we, we pay a commercial lease for this building. And praise God, in the years that we've been here, it's not gone up. But how much better to actually own our own building? I believe we'll, there'll be several buildings in the future as, as God blesses us. 
But um, if we owned this building, then there's so much more we could do with it. We could develop it. We could adapt it. We could do more with the outdoor space. We could maybe even extend this building. But, you know, that all takes money. And money doesn't grow on trees. Money into the church um, comes from our giving. I won't say your giving, because it's our giving. And it's all our responsibility to together to give in to the work of the kingdom of God. Now, we talk about tithing as a scriptural principle. And I know some of you might find that difficult. But let's, instead of talk about tithing or giving 10%, let's talk about giving and being generous-hearted, being, having a spirit of generosity in our giving to God and in our giving to others. And, um, you know, our, our income for this church can't just rely on a few generous people. It needs to be every single one of us doing our part in giving to God. Maybe, maybe you can't um, tithe for whatever reason, um, but maybe you could set up a standing order to give £50 a month, £100 a month, £200 a month, whatever it is. And um, it would be awesome to have everybody engaging to giving into the life of the church. And, um, you know, I... Um, our kids, we teach them about tithing and giving back to God. And, and uh, you know, Joel, he only has a Saturday morning job. He doesn't earn very much at all. Sometimes he does a bit of work for the college as a student ambassador. But we say to him, right, you need to save 10% and give 10% back to God. Because we t- want to teach them a mindset of actually this is God's money that God's provided to us. And we need to bless him with it. So in order to be able to buy this building, we need to demonstrate to banks, because we would need a mortgage, um, that um, we um, have steady income across a broad spectrum of people, and that that steady income can help pay the mortgage. Um, when I go and speak to the bank manager, I can't just say, oh, well, you know, we're in faith, God will bring the money in, because they'll want to see bank statements. That's fine for us, but they'll want to see money coming in across a broad spectrum of people. So it's good to jump and sing and cheer and say, yeah, and we're in this together. But, we, but you know what? It, we really need to say we're in this together with our giving as well. And I'll be honest, it's not always the case. And so we need to honour God with our first fruits. Honour God with our worship. Honour God with our prayer. That's all part of... Um, our relationship um, with him. And, um, you know, don't switch off. I tell you what, I always used to find um, messages um, that included talks about tithing annoying. And that was because I wasn't doing it. And if you feel irritated or annoyed, maybe that's because you're being prodded and prompted to do something about it. So I don't want to annoy people or get people to switch off but the reality is we need to honour God with our finances. And, and if you read in, through Scripture, it's, it's our tithe comes into the storehouse. That's your local church. And then offerings above that to other places, other people, other organisations. But we've spoken about tithing before, and that's not the crux of this message. And Jackie's just done her polite little, it's time to move on, <laughs> cough. Um, but... Um, in other, in other news, um, back in September, we talked about us um, becoming Reach Church in 2020. 
Um, that's not because uh, of any other reason other than um, there are changes happening at New Mills. Most of you know we're Revived Church over two locations. Um, Peter and Janice are retiring at New Mills, and the new leaders that they've chosen um, have a different vision and a different heart that's not multi-site. So we're going to be branching out um, on our own with our new identity as um, Reach Church with a vision to reach up in worship and prayer, reach out in love, compassion and evangelism, reach in in fellowship and discipleship. Now, I was really amazed that I spoke to someone um, just last week who um, didn't know anything about this, although um, we spoke about it in September. It's been on the notice sheet for a few weeks, the vision of reach that God's calling us as a church to reach. And there's a bit more behind that, the vision for reach, releasing people, equipping believers, advancing the kingdom, creating a culture of honour and helping hurting um, people. But we need to build together. Okay, that's, that's my bit, that's, key, that's my cue. Building together. There have been, down the centuries, there have been lots and lots of things um, you could, the Bible says about building. In particular, a guy called Nehemiah, he had to build a city, and there were lots of problems to stop him doing that. There was crippling poverty. There was crippling debt. Even so much so that people had to sell their adult children to others so they could feed their smaller children. Fancy being in so much debt and crippling poverty that you have to sell your kids. That's crippling poverty. It was absolutely overwhelming. There was also rubbish and rubble everywhere. Everything was burnt and broken down. And yet he had a burden from God to build. Go build it. And he's like, what? Go build it. I said, well, I'll go build it, but I need people to help me build it. So he went and he said, guys, God's given me a vision to build this thing. But what am I going to do? We need to build it together. And now Nehemiah, it says, there's not any major miracles. I'm about to get up. Sorry. There's not any major miracles, but there's two major miracles. One is they (coughs) agreed to follow Nehemiah. I'm just going to let that hang there, like Santa's sack stuck up a chimney. Let it hang there. They agreed to follow the leader. They agreed to follow the leader. If you agree to follow God and follow a leader, things get done. They agreed to put their own stuff on one side and say, yes, we'll do it together. The second major miracle in Nehemiah was that unity happened. Unity is pretty difficult. Sometimes, if I was to say to you, what colour do you think the church should be? I'd get 27 different opinions. Unity is really difficult, but here's the thing. God is bound by his word. That's important. And he says this about unity. There is a commanded blessing when we have unity. There's a commanded blessing. God cannot get out of that clause, and he doesn't want to. God commands a blessing on this church when we respond in unity. Amen. Can we have an amen for that? Come on. We've not got to be interactive, church. We've got to believe. You can't just sit down and listen. You've got to believe. The other thing I wanted to say to you is would you be willing... Would you be willing to put your stuff on one side? 
Would you be willing to put the cynicism, the negativity, or even the approval on one side and follow? Would you be willing to do that? Follow where this church is going. Would you be willing to be gently and appropriately challenged? Would you be willing to let us do that? To gently and appropriately challenge your mindset on things? Would you be willing? And those things are coming. Would you be willing to say yes? You know, would you be willing to dive in fully for God? Fully immersed. Who likes swimming? Who like, put your hand if you like If you like interactive, who likes swimming? Get your hand in the air like you really do care. If you like swimming, fantastic. I don't like swimming. But when I go on holiday, I kind of have to have a go. But there are several kinds of swimmers in this world, shall we say? You know what's coming. <laughs> there are several kind of swimmers in a swimming pool. So, for instance, there are dive right in us. Right, I have to get up for this. They're a diver and they confidently strut out there. And they have that kind of perfect pose where they go. That's me, yeah. No, that is not you. That's they have me. a perfect pose, they're at like dive. And they think, how can they do that? How can they do that? That's, that's, the, that's the speedo strut, that is. Yeah, the speedo strut. Clocking no, the leg. Horrible thought, isn't it? And in they go. They dive right in is. And I can't, oh my, oh my goodness, how do they do that? There is another kind where I'm more this kind. I'm more this kind of person. I'm a leg flipper. I sit down on the side and I just flip my legs. Like that. And then I'm a gentle wader. So I walk in and go, oh, oh. But the kids are watching me because like, I'm brave. I can do this. Oh, oh. And it goes up to the nether regions, and you think, oh, and you keep going, and you keep going, and you're like, and then I'm a sitter to just above the shoulder level, and then I sit down, go, and I'm like, head under, and then, and then I'm off, and I'm all right. But there are others in this world who are neither divers or leg flippers. You don't call me water. I am thirsty, I'm sorry. <laughs> They are, in fact, procrastinators. Never. They are <laughs> swimming pool stalkers. <laughs> because they go up and they look. And then they go around and they look. And they go back down again. And they look. And they go. And they look. And they go up again. And this can happen for 40 minutes, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> 40 minutes of strutting, walking, and hooing. It does take me a while to get into it the It does water. take you a while to get into the water. I do a few laps, but you've got to check out for spiders and the bottom and all sorts. <laughs> anyway, and what if it's really cold? <clears throat> whatever kind, whatever kind of person you are, I am asking, would you be willing to jump in fully for God? It doesn't matter how long it takes you to get in there. Just get in there. Amen? Just get in there. It doesn't matter if you're a diver in a, a ponderer, a wader, a leg waggler, or even a toe tester. Just get in there. Amen. Sometimes they're getting out of the water and I'm just getting in. I'm like, where are you all going? <laughs> it's true. It takes a Sorry while. to say it's true. We're all under attack, guys. 
this year, has, last year has proven to me how much Satan hates this church. We're all under attack. We all have our personal issues and things to deal with. Just one little life point. It's this. Know when you're under attack. Know who attacks you. Know who attacks you. Satan works through many, many things, even people. But know who it is who really attacks you. Don't run from the church. Let me speak to you about that. Let that just settle in. Don't run away from church. Run towards the church. And don't blame the church. Okay? We need to realize that Satan wants to stop us building. Would you be willing to attend this church most weeks instead of whenever? Would you be willing to tithe? Would you be willing to be gently and appropriately challenged so we can build? Would you be willing to say, yes, I'll follow that leader and put your stuff, your filter on one side? We have a church family. This is our house and our home. And everyone really needs to contribute something towards its purposes, its upkeep, and most importantly, its ministries. Amen. So just as we um, pull this into, into land, very different sort of... Um, message this morning, but we wanted to share with you a little bit about where the church is going, what we're believing for, and why, and how we need to all be in this and together. That's why it's a collaborative um, talk, so you can hear our hearts. But remember what I said earlier on, I really believe God is calling us to a place of consecration, a deeper walk with him that permeates every area of our lives. So where do we go from here? Well, we're going to take this opportunity to take communion. We've got a little communion station either side at the front with some crackers and some juice that represents the body and the blood of Jesus. The body of Jesus that was broken for you and me and his blood that was shed for us so that we can live in freedom and in forgiveness, in new life in him. And as we um, take this communion, we're going to sing this song. It's, it's a song from the 90s. Um, my goodness, there were some amazing songs in the 90s, but don't switch off. This song is a song of consecration. I will offer up my life in spirit and truth, pouring out the oil of love as my worship to you. And I want each and every one of you to, as we sing this song, to ask God and say, what area of my life needs to be consecrated to you afresh at the start of this new year? Maybe you've been far from God. Maybe you're watching online and, um, or later on in the week on the recording and you're far from God and you know that God is calling you back into a relationship with him. And it's time to get back in church and to give your life to God and you. Maybe you're here and, and you've struggled with an area in your life. Maybe, and as we talked about giving, maybe that's been a real stumbling block. But maybe there's been addictions or attitudes that you know God's been prompting you about. And you need to lay at the foot of the cross. Maybe you've just been a toe tipper, a, 
and, um, and, and, and an edge walker, but it's God's calling you to dive in and step up and serve, step up and give, step up and challenge yourself to prayer and fasting this year. Well, as we sing this song, just invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you and to challenge you. And um, it will be up to you. No one's going to bring the communion to you this morning. It will be up to you to make the decision to come out and to um, take the cracker and the juice. And you might, even, you might want to take it back to your seat. You might even want to kneel down at the front. There's plenty of space up here. Um, and to say, yes, God, I'm consecrating myself to you this year. If there's anything that you need help with, if you need prayer, then we'll pray with you after the meeting. If you've got an addiction problem you need help with, or other issues, maybe you want to step up and serve and step up and give, and you're not sure how to do that, ask one of the leaders afterwards and we'll, we'll help you. But let's just stand together um, and pray, just as the worship team uh, return. Let's stand together and pray. Lord, we come before you this morning and we invite you, Holy Spirit, just to come and speak to our hearts. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to challenge us, Lord, in those areas where we need to grow in this year ahead. We invite you, Lord, to prompt us in those areas that we need to surrender to you. As we take this communion, this, this bread and this juice, remembering the body and blood of Jesus poured out for us. Lord, as we sing these, this song, I will offer up my life. Lord, let it be from the heart, we pray. And not just empty words. As we sing. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So as we sing this song, just take your time and sing. Take your time around communion. Take your time to remember that word, consecration. Consecration. Giving ourselves back to God at the beginning of this year.